All right, today I've got to tell you about a beef that I have with the English language. Sometimes English just, just makes no sense. Here's one of those cases. The word extraordinary means something that is, is, is way above and beyond ordinary. If you say yesterday was an extraordinary day, you mean that you, you saw or did something that was not normal. Something interesting or exciting happened. It was extraordinary. Now here's the weird part. If you take apart the word extraordinary, it has a completely opposite meaning. Just add one little space in there. Not extraordinary, but extraordinary. If you said yesterday was an extraordinary day, you mean that it was even more boring and normal than usual. It, it was so ordinary, it was extraordinary. This is just kind of confusing. I mean, who came up with this? One subtle little space in this word has a completely different meaning. Sometimes English is just weird. It doesn't make sense. And don't even get me started on how you should spell the word. I mean, that's how you should spell extraordinary. I don't really get it. So what does this have to do with the account of the Magi and baby Jesus? Quite a bit, I think. As the Magi traveled to Bethlehem, they came across some pretty extraordinary things. But they also encountered some extraordinary stuff on their journey. And really, the Magi's journey, it almost looks more extraordinary than their actual destination. And so, as we follow along with the Magi today to Bethlehem, pay attention to, to both the extraordinary things they encounter as well as the extraordinary. God has a point in showing both of those things to us. Right away in the account, you can already tell it's going to be a little bit out of the ordinary because it's about magi. The magi, they're a little, little different. The, they were probably very high up in their kingdoms. We, we call them the wise men, right? The magi were the wise men. They were probably the advisors for kings. They had a high station in the country. Probably they were, they were noblemen themselves. Kind of a big deal back home. And even, even their title suggests they're a little bit out of the ordinary. Magi. It sounds a lot like magic. And, and these guys were most likely involved in astrology and interpreting dreams. Kind of some out of the ordinary stuff. Now, we're not, we're not exactly told where out east these guys came from, but judging by their customs and their title, you have a good guess. They're probably from the, the kingdoms of Persia or Arabia. Think modern day like Iraq and Iran. This was the old region of Babylon. And so maybe 600 years earlier, when God sent the prophet Daniel to Babylon, 
some of those promises about a savior, some of the promises about a king who would come from Israel, the king of the world, must have reached these Magi's ears. And that's extraordinary. It's also extraordinary that that God would put faith in these foreigners' hearts to want want to go and see the, the, the king of the Jews. But they traveled probably for weeks, if not months, to reach Bethlehem. And it was all worth it to them to see the bits and pieces of those promises coming true, promises that most Jews weren't even taking seriously. But God gave them an extraordinary sign, a star to lead them. Somehow this this star made it clear to them that it was time to go and see the promise fulfilled, to see the promised king of the Jews. And so, Though the wise men set out, they, they arrive in Jerusalem. It's a natural starting place to look for a king. Jerusalem is a city of kings. And there was already a king in Jerusalem. His name was Herod. Sometimes he's called Herod the Great. But he was not a great guy. Herod, he was kind of jealous and insecure about his kingship. And so he even had some of his own family members brutally murdered because he thought they're probably going to plot against me sometime. And so then picture, picture the wise men strolling into Jerusalem and, and they're asking people, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. People maybe said, oh, well, we've got King Herod, I guess. Are you looking for him? The wise men say, no, no, we're looking for the real king. You know, the, the promised, important one? This is a huge burn on King Herod. They just look right past him. He got totally roasted by these magi. And he's not happy about it. And so Herod ends up trying to deceive the wise men and murder the promised Messiah. Like I said, not a great guy. But one thing Herod did do is uncover an extraordinary prophecy. 700 years earlier, the prophet Micah had written about the location where the Savior would be born. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This is big news. A ruler will come from Bethlehem. He'd be a good king, a shepherd, to to guide the people and protect them from danger. Herod, he had evil desires in his heart when he sends the Magi to go and investigate this, this baby in Bethlehem. But the hearts of the wise men, they're filled with joy. Their journey can continue. They know the location. They can go and finally see this promised king of Israel, not just the king of Israel, the king and savior of the whole world, the savior not just for the Jews, the savior even for Persian magi. And once again, God gives them that extraordinary sign. The star that had led them to Jerusalem reappears and leads them once more. The star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place the child was. When they saw the star, They were overjoyed. 
And, you know, just think a minute about how extraordinary this star was. I mean, first of all, how could you ever pinpoint that a, a star is over a certain house? I, I don't care how good of astrologers they were. You can't do that. And, and this star, it started, it stopped, it started again, it was moving around. Stars don't move. And, oh, maybe it was a comet. But, well, comets never stop moving. The star was something else. It was, it was God's extraordinary sign to these wise men that he wanted them to follow along. That he had something to show them. Something they'd been waiting for and hoping for. And up to this point, the, the extraordinary signs the Magi saw in the heavens and in the prophecies looked like they're going to discover an extraordinary king. But what did the wise men see when they got to Bethlehem? That extraordinary star led them to an extraordinary little town. Bethlehem, the, the town of David, the, the birthplace of the Messiah, it was nothing special. It's a small town. If, if Jerusalem were Chattanooga, then, then maybe Bethlehem would be like Cleveland down the road. Uh, if you spend some time in downtown Chattanooga and then go directly from there to downtown Cleveland, you might think, okay, well, not a lot going on here. Not a lot of excitement. I'm sorry if, if you live in Cleveland. I'm sure it's a wonderful place. Um, but it's no Chattanooga. And, and comparing Jerusalem to Bethlehem, there's really no comparison. City of Kings, ordinary little town. But the wise men, they go to Bethlehem, they follow that star, and it leads them to a probably extra-ordinary-looking house. Inside, they see an extra-ordinary-looking couple with an ordinary-looking little baby. What a letdown. After traveling all that way to Bethlehem, what, what a letdown to only find an ordinary-looking Jewish couple and their ordinary-looking baby. You'd think the wise men would knock on the door, see inside, and then quickly apologize. Oh, sorry, must have the wrong place. We came to see a king. It's not what they do. That baby in his mother's arms was not a letdown for them. They followed that extraordinary star and they found an extraordinary child. They saw their savior who was going to give them a gift far more priceless than the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh they had just laid at his feet. That little baby was going to give them the gift of sins forgiven and eternal life. You see, the wise men, they didn't need to see a king in a palace surrounded by servants. They didn't need to see another King Herod in a city like Jerusalem. They needed to see their Savior. And that's exactly what God led them to see. God unveiled the Savior of the world. He unveiled him in some very ordinary surroundings. 
But he gave the wise men extraordinary faith to see beyond what their eyes could see. You've maybe heard this story many times, but have never really put yourself into the story. And put, your, put yourself in the, in the Magi's shoes. Would you have done the same as them? Would you have bowed down your face to the ground and worshipped that little baby as God? Would you have, have given up the most priceless things that you possess Give him as a gift to that baby? I like to think that I would have, but maybe that's not true. I think I would have wanted to see more. I think I would have expected another extraordinary sign like that star when I entered the house, something to, to show me I'm in, I'm in the right place now. I don't think seeing that little baby in his mother's arms would have been enough for me. It's the natural human condition to always want more than what God has given us. Maybe, maybe you felt that attitude creep around in your heart every once in a while, right? We, we sometimes think what God has given us in his Bible, it doesn't seem like, doesn't seem like enough. I feel like I want, I want something more. I want him to communicate more extraordinarily with me. I want to see more than what he's chosen to give me. And, and maybe how this comes out is maybe even the way we think about church, where we think that the, the things we really want to see are cool programs, well-oiled administration, dynamic ministries, and like to see less about what God's word actually says. This is something that's on my heart a lot as a, as a pastor at a, a new church plant. I sometimes feel like just sharing the, the gospel message, it's not enough. I, I feel like people need to see more than just Jesus. They need to see something more extraordinary. I, I want people to sit in these reclining movie theater chairs and think, Oh man, this is the coolest church I've ever been in. I want, to hear, I want people to hear my sermons and, and think to themselves, oh, wow, that is the best preacher I have ever heard. I want the coolest children's Sunday school ministry program in the city and, and the most creative outreach ideas. I trick myself into thinking that everything else besides the gospel message is most important. Do the thoughts in your head ever echo mine? As much as we, we crave the extraordinary from God, so often, week after week, all we really see is the extraordinary. And we might feel like that's, that's not enough for me. But what I so often want people to see, what, what people so often want themselves to see, maybe that isn't what they need to see. When someone walks into living hope, they need to see their Savior. They need to see Jesus. We all need to see Jesus. 
And as much as we might crave something extraordinary from God, he's usually chosen to reveal himself and his Savior to us in very ordinary means. But the ordinary ways God unveils himself to us unveil some extraordinary truths about what has been done for us in Christ. In the ordinary pages of Scripture, we see Jesus claim an eternal kingship with an extraordinary resurrection from the dead. In baptism, we see ordinary water poured over an infant's head that marks him or her as a child brought to real life for the first time. In, in Holy Communion, which we're about to see, you see ordinary bread and wine that when the word is spoken, has the power to forgive the darkest sins this world can come up with because it's Jesus' true body and blood. God has unveiled himself with some ordinary ways, but they unveil an extraordinary result. Faith, hope, comfort, eternal life, all these extraordinary things come to you in the very ordinary means of grace God has given us. The means of grace in, in God's word and the sacraments of ordinary water in baptism and, and bread and wine in communion. And, okay, of course we want worship at Living Hope to be done well. And we, we want well thought out plans to achieve our mission. That's what we'll be talking about after church today. But our prayer is that what people hear and see at Living Hope is, is ultimately far better than just cool programs, beautiful music, and a very ordinary preacher. Our prayer is that they'll see what they really need to see, that they'll see Jesus, their Savior, that they'll see him unveiled in the ordinary means of grace that God has given us. The true glory of King Jesus was veiled in some very ordinary surroundings there in Bethlehem. But God unveiled by faith the Savior, the extraordinary truth of who that baby was to those magi. Our King Jesus doesn't have to reveal himself to us with miraculous healings, dramatic conversion experiences, or loud emotional music. He can reveal himself to us in the very ordinary means of grace, and we wouldn't have it any other way. Because this means that King Jesus is easily accessible anytime, anywhere, whether or not you have a star guiding your steps. You have his promises in his word. You have the sacraments to, to show you who he really is, and what he's done for you. Jesus is the greatest gift. Like the Magi, let's bring him whatever gifts we are led to bring to him. Amen.